Good morning. Welcome in college football morning announcements. Nick Shepkowski with you, ready to get your Wednesday underway as we get you to the midweek here. Coming up on this episode, there's an SEC dynasty that's in decay that we have to talk about as controversy surrounding one of the most successful programs in all of collegiate sports is breaking up the coaching staff of that dynasty. The number one inside linebacker, according to Rivals, has picked his school. We'll let you know who he is, who he chose, who he chose them over, and what it means in the big picture of college recruiting. And the most pressure to win in the year 2020 in college football, assuming that there's college football that's played, what program is it? And it's not just, oh, a coach's hot seat being the idea here. Bring up some interesting names that might that might stick out to you of why 2020 is so important for them in terms of their programs. But we start with the biggest news out of really college sports. We've heard it from Mark Emmert from the NCAA, and we've heard it from other executives as well, that you can't count on college sports being played or college football specifically until students are back on campus. Well, the news out on Monday, just a couple of days ago, from the University of Notre Dame, says that Notre Dame plans to have their students back on campus the week of August 10th, and they will complete their fall semester in a different fashion this year. There's not going to be no fall break. They're going to go straight through from August 10th up until Thanksgiving, and then the students will break from Thanksgiving on through New Year's and come back in the uh, in January and do their spring semester then. But they're one of the first Midwest schools we've seen go out on a limb and, and say, this is what's going to go on. Uh, Father John Jenkins, president of the university, on various different shows, morning shows, on news stations across the country today, and was interesting in it. I mean, he flat out admitted that they don't have a full-on plan of what the exact safety plan will be to keep students safe, keep students from contracting or passing along COVID-19. And he was also asked, I saw the interview with Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show on NBC, and he was asked directly about Notre Dame football in 2020. And for a man that you had just heard and just seen, obviously give the okay that students are allowed back on campus, maybe you thought stronger comments were coming, positively at least, for Notre Dame's football status in 2020. But it was almost, his comments almost sounded like it was on the pay-no-mind list, at least in terms of importance. He factored in, um, or he, he focused more in, on everything going on with the university in terms of education and students. And that part is what he was focused on. And he didn't go very far in committing to football or sports at all being played at Notre Dame this year in any way, shape, or form. Maybe that's just taking the high road. Maybe that's not uh, trying to – he's just trying not to say too much before – not trying to say too much too early, I should say, in all of this. Because we had heard just, what, almost two weeks ago now, Mark Emmert, the head of the NCAA, say that you're not going to get college sports back until you have students on campus. So obviously this is the first domino to fall in that long stretch. But it, it has me thinking that you got to feel better about the chances of college football being played here in 2020. Even if there's no fans in the stands, you feel better about the chances of college football being played than you did maybe even just 48 hours ago before Notre Dame made that announcement in regards to their students rejoining the campus. Uh, other things to get to in this episode here today. 
that I want to touch on. We'll share with you an SEC dynasty that uh, is in decay, all because of a controversy and coaches not doing the right thing, and four coaches lose their jobs, and now one of the SECs and NCAA's biggest dynasties is going to have a big-time coaching change. We'll share that information with you. Uh, One more Notre Dame thing to pass along. There's a Notre Dame legacy that got a scholarship offer today or on Tuesday, I should say, from a former Notre Dame All-American's son, actually, received that scholarship offer. So we'll share who that is with you and what it might mean for the Fighting Irish. The nation's number one inside linebacker on Rivals Pick the School. We'll share with you who it is, who he chose, who he chose him over, and what it means for college football. And finally today, saw a post on 24-7 Sports where they ranked the the teams under the most pressure to win in 2020. Now, some of them were team-based, some of them were coaches-based, but the teams that had the most pressure entering 2020 to win, we'll share with you some of the names on that list, and I'll share with you a couple of why it's such a significant year for some of those programs. Uh, We'll start with Barrett Carter. He's the number one inside linebacker in the 2021 recruiting class on Rivals, and he had over 40 offers. I mean, you can you can probably name all the big dogs that are on that list that originally offered him, whether it's Alabama and all of the SEC or any of that, Georgia and company offering the very talented inside linebacker. He today announces that he's taking Clemson or he's going to Clemson, and he cho- chooses them over Auburn, Georgia, and Ohio State were also in his final four. And that moves Clemson. I mean, the rich just simply get richer in this case. They have the third-rated class right now, as I record this late on Tuesday night. uh, Third-highest-rated class on rivals and the highest in, in the ACC by only one spot. North Carolina actually just one spot behind them. But only Ohio State and Tennessee rank ahead of them nationally. And it's Clemson benefiting from winning a ton of football games of late, the talent they've been able to bring into to, to their program and also develop and turn into NFL players, clearly helping out as well in the recruiting game for them. And not many people out there have it better than Clemson right now. I know things didn't end well for them in the national championship game against LSU, but hey, literally 128 other college football programs would have killed to be in the position Clemson was in. They'll be back and just as seemingly as good as ever in the year 2020, assuming we get football played. But Barrett Carter, named to look out for here in the next year or two, or in a couple of years, once he gets to Clemson, because he is the top-rated inside linebacker, and he chooses the Clemson Tigers. Uh, Notre Dame fans, for you, for something for you here as well. You might remember the name Bobby Taylor from back on the 1993 team, starting cornerback on a team that uh, really should have won a national championship before the head-to-head result against Florida State was thrown out for whatever reason. There's reasons I still can't understand or explain to anyone. Okay, Notre Dame's loss was worth Okay, I can't get into that. I'll go down a wormhole and I'll complain about it for three hours straight. We won't do that. But Bobby Taylor was a starting cornerback on that team, was a consensus All-American pick a year later in 1994 before being drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in 1995 with the 50th overall pick he'd spent 10 years in the nfl nine of them with philadelphia one with seattle and his son now 
from Katy, Texas, also named Bobby Taylor, four-star cornerback out of Katy, Texas, as he, Bobby Taylor II, gets the scholarship offer from Notre Dame on Tuesday. So just a kind of fun story there, linking it all together. Maybe maybe the young Bobby ends up taking Notre Dame and goes to Notre Dame. Maybe he doesn't. I would assume he's a long time off of deciding anything like that. But it's got to be a cool moment for for a former All-American and a Notre Dame great and Bobby Taylor to look and say, wow, all right, there's my young son, my teenage son, and the school that wanted me so badly now wants him so badly, so much, in fact, that they're willing to offer a scholarship for him to uh, to play football at Notre Dame. Class of 2022 class, uh, recruiting class, though. So don't expect any news on him in terms of making an announcement or anything like that anytime very soon. Kentucky cheerleading. That's what you were thinking, right? When I said SEC Dynasty, you didn't think Nick Saban. You didn't think John Calipari. You didn't think anything along those lines. You were thinking Kentucky cheerleading because you know as well as I know, Big Blue Nation, they might say they're a basketball school. They might say they're a football program that's on the rise. We knew that Blue Big Blue Nation is about cheerleading, though as Kentucky has taken home 24 national championships in cheerleading since 1985. But here's the thing. Kentucky's dynasty in cheerleading could be coming to an end because their four coaches on their staff have been fired effective immediately for not doing anything about hazing incidents in and around their team with incidents that they witnessed right in front of their own eyes and did nothing about this ranges from various different things, alcohol consumption to cheerleaders being forced to perform different cheerleading stunts while either topless or any other thing that went on there. Um, kind of, I know it's going to draw headlines and, oh, my God, yeah, it's the cheerleaders and that's the that's the dirty program and that's, oh, look how filthy this is and, it's hazing, whether it happens in. I think it's. I think it's alertful, because yes, you get the headlines of this, and people might think it's funny that oh my god, the cheerleaders, yeah, the cheerleaders are partying like college kids do, but it speaks to the volume and the craziness of hazing really in this country nationwide, and it doesn't matter if it's a football team, a cheerleading team in this case, wrestling programs. This happens way too much, and I'm not just talking college campuses. Happens at high schools all the time, sometimes with band, sometimes with, with, with groups that you wouldn't expect whatsoever. And hopefully it at least brings attention to that and squashes it and helps helps make the hazing incidents, some of the darker and scarier and nastier things about sports really at almost all levels. Hopefully it makes them... Uh, get erased a bit and disappear a decent amount and hopefully some good comes out of it because, yeah, um, I know it's an easy thing to, to catch headlines and to catch attention, but it speaks to a grander issue that goes around nationwide. Uh, think of 2020, college football-wise. Which program enters the season with the most pressure on them to win and maybe not bring a national championship home or even compete for a national championship. But what program out there 
really has a lot of pressure on them to win in 2020. Uh, 24-7 Sports recently did a piece on this that I found interesting, was looking at earlier today, as they kind of broke down 10 teams. They didn't rank them in any order. They just said, hey, here's the 10 teams that we think have pressure on them. Now, here's why there's pressure on these squads. And some of them you could easily probably guess. USC's mentioned there. Obviously, Clay Helton has been on the hot seat at USC. Some people thought that he was going to be gone following last year, and that not end up being the case. But other teams that uh, showed up on that list as well, Oklahoma State was one of them, Texas, Texas A&M on that list, Uh, Miami was on that list, and some interesting ones that stuck out to me that were on it. Yeah, one of them being North Carolina. And the reasoning that was given in this piece by 24-7 Sports was that the pressure to win comes from the recruiting. Carolina has the number two recruiting class in the nation right now. This uh, this from 24-7 Sports, a little bit different rankings than that of Rivals. And if it is going to finish in the top 10, it will need to have a strong year on the field. It's tough to see elite recruits sticking with UNC football if the Tar Heels are again losing to middling ACC teams with regularity. The pressure to take the next step and capture a program-changing recruiting class is real. I laughed at the Mac Brown hiring. I I played that off and thought, what the heck are they doing hiring the guy that was great there 20 years ago? Been out of football. Things have passed him by. And all he's done is he played played well last year. Teams played well. Got to a bowl game. Won a bowl game. And now his recruiting class is through the roof. A top five class as it sits right now. Carolina wasn't a team that I was thinking I had all that pressure on because I didn't think the pressure to win big was coming up yet. But undoubtedly, you see that all the time in terms of of teams that, all right, they seem like they're on the rise, but then a season that doesn't quite reach expectations. And instead of being a 8-4, 9-3 team, it's a 6-6, six six, very average at best. You go, Congrats, you go to a poor bowl game. No, Carolina... With the state of the SEC or the ACC right now, right now you have Clemson in the ACC. You have about a mile and a half gap between them and everyone else. And then why can't it be North Carolina? Why can't Carolina rise to the occasion and and turn into that second team that the ACC has so highly coveted here for years and years now? Carolina has a chance to start to take a big step in that direction this year. Another team that uh, didn't show up on their list on 24-7 sports, but along the same terms, Minnesota to me. And I know P.J. Flex has been there a little bit now, and he's starting to get his recruits to overhaul that roster. And you saw it last year. They play within the final game of their regular season. They win against Wisconsin in that game, and they go to the Big Ten championship game. Almost absurd to think of Minnesota potentially in a Big Ten championship game. Nonetheless, they win the Outback Bowl over Auburn and Minnesota football program, seeing heights they haven't seen in about two decades or so. But I think it's the same case here. You look across most uh, most outlets, and Minnesota has what's regarded as a top 10 recruiting class right now. Obviously, great momentum off of last year and what they were able to do. And P.J. Fleck, as weird not as on, and off the wall as he is, young men love to play for him. They are interested in that attitude. They are interested in his positivity. They are interested in his energy. You can like it. You can hate it. Whatever you do, you're going to have to deal with it because I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And I think that this is the kind of the case to be made for 
for Fleck and for Minnesota, Minnesota's had some decent years here, decent years there. Consistency is what that program has lacked, or at least consistency at a high level. They'll get their nine-win season here or nine-win season there, but what do they follow it up with? Almost never do they challenge for that amount of wins again. Can Fleck do that? Still playing on the weaker side of the Big Ten, even though the depth in the Big Ten West is getting getting better. Iowa has has taken a step as a program, uh, respected widely nationally now, and they're bringing in better recruiting classes in recent years. Wisconsin, obviously the resume of the Badgers speaks for itself lately, so Minnesota having them as a big rival in the conference there doesn't make things any easier. And then you have parts of it where even Illinois, that was a laughing stock for years and years, they were able to knock off a top 10 Wisconsin team last year and ruin Wisconsin's dreams of potentially a college football playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl. And the Illini aren't that bad. So it's just the Big Ten West that I think is growing in terms of talent and continues to grow in terms of talent in Minnesota. It's, I think it's a big year for them to say, hey, that wasn't just a fluke in 2019. This is a program that's here to stay and here to be here for quite some time. Uh, the rest of the lists to go over with you, uh, I mentioned on there, teams that were on it, Oklahoma State, Miami. Miami's reason for being on there was because their offense has to take a step. Their defense wasn't bad last year but their offense put up a lot of lackadaisical showings. I think the key one out west to me is UCLA. Chip Kelly was supposed to turn that program around. We remember Chip Kelly at Oregon and thought, all right, give him just a little bit of time and UCLA is going to be buzzing. They're 7-17 seven and 17, two years into the Chip Kelly experiment there. And of those losses, 13 of those 17 are by double digits. I mean, you're or, or by two scores. Nine or more points. You're looking at a, a, a UCLA team that not only has lost, but lost big under Chip Kelly. And you figure if it doesn't start to happen in year three, Kelly's not known for being a master recruiter. If it doesn't happen in year three, I'm not, uh, I'm not guessing that it's going to be happening so much there at UCLA for him. And along those year three thoughts as well, Nebraska, just 9-15, and 15, two years into the Scott Frost era, wasn't the quick fix that so many thought it'd be for him like it was at, was at Central Florida. But they will say that Nebraska already did extend Scott Frost towards the end of last year. And I think that that's one that, all right, you got your extension, you're safe. But if Nebraska's going to take a step in recruiting, if Nebraska's going to take a step in B, all right, we just talked about the Big Ten West and how teams are improving and programs are improving. Nebraska hasn't improved ever since making their big-time coaching hire a couple of years back. Can they take a significant step or stride in year three? So Nebraska also on that list. Texas, South Carolina, Texas A&M, USC, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, UCLA that I mentioned, Miami that I mentioned, and Oklahoma State that I mentioned. Those are your 10 teams on the 24-7 sports teams with the 10 teams with the most pressure on them for the 2020 season that'll do it for this episode of the college football morning announcements it's nick shepkowski your host as always maybe tomorrow we'll try something a little bit different maybe tomorrow we'll try um how i got myself not in twitter trouble but actually had some fun on social media 
for a pleasant change here during this quarantine, all because of something I heard on the radio. Thanks for listening. If you can do me a favor, if you haven't already, if you're on iTunes, if you're on Spotify, whatever your your podcast device might be, hit subscribe if you don't mind doing that and leave a review. More positive, the better, so that'd be good. And also, if you can, you got a college football fan in your life, a friend, a buddy, maybe it's somebody you haven't talked to in a while, but like, hey, that guy really likes college football. Or reach out and say hello. Send them this link. Send them a link to this podcast. We'll try to continue to grow this thing and do it as often as possible. I'm your host, Nick Shepkowski. Thank you for listening, as always, to College Football Morning Announcements. We'll be back again tomorrow. Talk things of whatever happens during the day. The great day that will be Wednesday, May 20th, in college football. I'm Nick Shepkowski. Have a great Wednesday, great hump day. We'll talk again soon.